Watts, founder of Answers That Heal Writing Services, ready to share my writing life and encourage you to live yours with passion. In this episode, I want to continue to explore narrative and race by introducing one of my short stories titled Choose Life. As promised, I will read a portion of it. The story is about Angie Greer in an almost middle an almost middle-aged black woman with two children. She is a teacher and her husband is a policeman. The conflict Angie faces comes from her own heart. Her extended family, her best friend, her neighbors, and an old boyfriend from the past give rise to these conflicts and forces her to face her own demons. My purpose for writing this story originally was to show that whites were not the only ones to harbor prejudice and hatred. Blacks do too, though maybe not to the same extent, but it can be present and wreak havoc. I like exploring topics like these and using them to create a story of a normal family life turned upside down and how eventually they recovered. I used the N-word in this story and it kept my book from being accepted in a bookstore. I don't use this word lightly. My word choices are very careful. The character who uses it is created to use it for maximum effect in the scene. I know the history of the word and its use today in my culture. I don't agree with this casual use and it isn't okay to use it among ourselves. But we have free speech no matter how despicable it is. I don't plan to read the entire story, just the first chapter to get things started. I kind of whet your appetite for the book itself. You'll have to get the book yourself in order to find out what else happens and how this became. Actually, this story is part of a trilogy of stories which I call Trilogy of Hope. And no matter what the problem the protagonist gets into, there is hope in her situation. Okay, let me get my book out and I can begin to read. So bear with me a minute here while I get it open. should have this already here. The story is called Choose Life. And the scripture I have with it is this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. That's in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. God had given the people of Israel a choice. And my main character has a choice. Let's see. At least the beginning, laying the groundwork of what happens to her in the rest of the story. Chapter one. Her big sister's dark eyes cut into her like a machete. Sarah's lips were drawn tight. She had her arms crossed. Angie felt a wall rise up between them. 
She was desperate to reach her and make whatever was wrong right. What is going on with you, Sarah? She asked. You've got a nerve showing up here. Where were you at all the other family things for the past year? Are we too black for you now that you live uptown? I remember that white boy, Seth. You followed him around like a puppy dog, ignoring your friends. You're a sellout, Angie. You were then, and you are now. The week-old conversation played in her brain as if it had just happened. Angie Greer gazed around her empty classroom Friday afternoon in late October. The chairs were neatly on top of the tables. The floor was clean of paper and stray pencils, and all the English books were stacked in the back of the room for Monday. It was like any other Friday, except for the words that haunted her daily, grew sharper like the edge of a sword. Hey, Angie, what's up? Her friend and neighbor, Trisha Stewart, interrupted with a cheerful smile. Her dark, thick hair fell in waves to her shoulders and was a stark contrast to her milky white skin. The blue in her eyes was deep and clear like peaceful waters. Hey, girl, she replied, what are you doing here? I came to give you a ride, remember? Your car's in the shop. Oh, yeah, I forgot. She shoved papers and her planned book into her bag and took her purse out of a locked drawer. Angie's heels clicked on the dull tile floor as they walked down the semi-dark hallway. You know what? New, new neighbors moved in today. Oh, joy. It's a sweet old couple and a young guy, I think, is their son. You should come and meet them. Angie sighed as they climbed into Trisha's Jeep Cherokee. I'll pass. I'm exhausted. Trisha turned on the engine and they pulled away from the curb. Come on, maybe it will perk you up. I doubt it. Okay, what's going on? Angie glanced at her friend. She'd known Trisha since her, she and her family moved in next door to Angie's family nearly five years ago. Angie tried to discourage the relationship, but somehow Trisha managed a breakthrough. Just like Seth, she thought. Nothing, she replied. I hope those people are black. It's about time we got some more color in our neighborhood. They're not, and don't try to change the subject. Angie threw her a quick smile. I plead the fifth. Chicken, Angie laughed. When they arrived at the auto shop, Angie's Beamer was not ready and would have to be kept over the weekend. Angie groaned. Oh, brother, she said. Never mind that, Trisha said. I'll give you a ride around under one condition. What? Come with me to meet the new neighbors. Angie rolled her eyes. I guess I don't have a choice. She was greeted at her two-story colonial by her children, Chloe and Joshua, and her husband, Nick, who was in his police uniform, ready for work. She melted in his muscular embrace and sweet kiss. He was two heads taller than she was, with honey-colored skin and a clean-shaven head to hide his receding hairline. Many people thought he looked like the wrestler who was called The Rock. How was your day, babe? He asked, his deep voice covering her like a blanket. Too long, she replied, resting her cheek against the hardness of his broad chest. She felt much of her weariness flowing into him. Too bad he had to go to work. 
She wasn't crazy about the four to midnight shifts he worked, but at least he was home when she got there. He bent slightly to give her a kiss. What are you up to this evening? Trisha's dragging me over to meet the neighbors. Don't wear yourself out too much. Save some for me. You got it, baby. She gave his butt a whack. He laughed. See you, kids. Bye, Dad, Chloe said. Later, Dad. Her 13-year-old son, Joshua, said, Mama, can we have Chinese food tonight? We haven't had any in a long time. Angie smiled at her oldest son. His Afro puff hairstyle reminded her of the old days. On him, it looked tight with the hairline straight and neat. He had honey nut skin like his father. She put his ar her arm around his shoulders. He was almost taller than she was and his voice as deep as Nick's, but he was still her baby. And you're helping to pay for it? Come on, mama, you got paid today, didn't you? Angie laughed. Get out the frozen pizza, baby, because that's what's for dinner. Chloe bounced under her other arm. At eight years old, she reached her mother's chest and had her milky chocolate skin coloring. Her hair was straightened and fell to her shoulders. She usually kept it in a neat ponytail, but now it looked as though she'd been electrocuted. Please, Mama, let's get Chinese. I said no, so quit whining. Josh, baby, turn on the oven, will you please? I'm gonna change. She slipped off her shoes and carried them up the wide staircase to her room. The spacious bedroom held a queen-size bed, two stuffed chairs, and a low flat table in front of them, two dressers and a flat screen TV mounted on the wall. An oversized white door with polished gold handles opened to the master bath, which had a shower stall, in-ground tub, and a double sink, all made from marble. She couldn't wait to sink deep into the soft, warm bath water and surround herself with vanilla-scented candles. A sunny haze shone through her sheer white curtains. Dust came so fast now that it was late October. Soon there would be little or no sun this time day. She threw her shoes into the walk-in closet and changed into a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. She went to the window. There was movement across the street as men were still carrying boxes inside the house. Angie tried to get a glimpse of occupants, but the trees, with their dying and falling leaves, kept her view limited. Oh, well, she would just have to wait and see them with Trisha. Trisha appeared at her side door an hour later as they were finishing up the last of their pizza. Hey, kid, she said. Hi, Chloe said. Hey, Trisha, Joshua said. I can't wait to go to the Patriots game Sunday. Sam is excited, too. He's looking up stuff about Tom Brady online, if you want to go over. Cool. Can I go? Chloe asked. No, Joshua said. Take your sister with you, honey. We'll just be across the street. Angie smiled politely at the three less than welcoming white faces. She decided right then that she didn't like them. Their hostility was thick enough to cut. Only when the old couple turned their attention to Trisha did their expressions relax. Hello, Trisha said. I'm Trisha Stewart from across the street. I waved to you this morning. This is my friend Angie. She lives next to me. Angie nodded slightly. Yes, I remember you. I'm Martha Tanner. 
the white-haired woman said to Tricia. She was thin and wrinkled, wearing a pair of jeans and a golf shirt. And this is my husband, Regis, and our son, Curtis. Pleased to meet you, young lady, the balding old man said to Tricia. He was as tall as his son, but thinner and less threatening. His smile was warm and inviting. Curtis glared. He was solid muscle. He wore black boots and fatigue pants. Pants. His icy blue eyes brought shivers down Angie's spine. Back in high school, such ignorant behavior deepened her anger towards the white man. Until a white man came along whose actions shattered her long-held notion of the so-called dominant race. She thought her cold shoulders, glares, and insults would send Seth running the opposite direction. Yet he was relentless until he broke down her resistance. Her friends did not approve, telling her she was betraying her race by hooking up with him. But her growing affection for Seth was stronger than racial loyalties. He made her laugh and forget how harsh the world was in those days. He made her believe there was a secret place where the only thing that mattered was the heart. The memory stirred buried feelings Angie, Angie did not want to rehash. She decided to focus on Curtis and the swastika, encircling a cross blazoned across his muscular bicep. He had a spider web on both elbows. She didn't know much about tattoos and what they meant, yet his frightened her. Angie put a hand on Trisha's shoulder. When Trisha looked around, Angie widened her eyes to let her know she was ready to leave. Trisha touched Angie's hand lightly and held up one finger. Angie didn't want to leave her, so she waited. Thank you for stopping by, Martha said with a soft southern twang. When we get settled, we'll have to have your family over. That would be great, Trisha said. If you need any help, just knock on my door. I'll be home all weekend. When she and Trisha reached the sidewalk in front of Angie's house, Angie pulled Trisha to her backyard deck. What is it, Angie? Are you blind, girl? Didn't you see that swastika on Rambo's arm? No, I was busy having conversation. I don't have a good feeling about these people, Trisha, especially that son. Yeah, he is a little creepy, but they seem like a sweet couple. I bet he has a record, Trisha sighed. Why do you always assume the worst? Did you see the way they ignored me? I'm not assuming that. Yeah, that was rude. It was more than rude. Those folks are racist, Angie sighed. I just don't need that crap right now. That reminds me, you never did tell me what's been eating at you. Angie decided to give up the pretense. It's my sister, Sarah. I was at the at the shower for my cousin last Saturday. Sarah didn't talk to me. I knew she was mad about Labor Day, so I didn't pay, pay it much mind for a while. Then I couldn't take it anymore, so I talked to her. She turned on me and said I was a sellout. Why would she say that? I think I know why. She's been, she's been on this Afrocentric kick for years. She wanted to change her name, but our parents put up a big fuss, so she didn't. She's always been deep into Mother Africa, and she reads books by people that hold the same beliefs. She preaches that we all need to get back to our true roots. She makes sense about getting back to our roots, but I never had a desire to go as far as she has. 
I love my family. Why would I be a sellout? Honey, Trisha said, Sarah is wrong. You haven't turned your back on your family. Angie had begun to wonder if Sarah was right and she was forgetting where she came from. The new neighbors reminded her of the fear and anger that had filled her tender heart when she sat on her granny's lap listening to the Jim Crow horror stories. Does it really matter all this race stuff? Trisha asked. Maybe it doesn't matter to you, but for a whole lot of people it does. Remember Jim Crow? Jim Crow is dead and gone. The laws are gone, but not the mindset. Don't be mad at me for saying this, okay? There's no way you'll ever understand what it's like to be black. I wish I could understand. I think you do, honey, she said. Trish smiled. See you tomorrow, okay? Angie, Angie watched her walk away and wondered as she had for the last five years why there weren't more white people like Trisha Stewart to outnumber like the Tanners. People like the Tanners. Seth loved her skin. When he tenderly caressed it, he said it was beautiful and sweet like honey. He couldn't understand why anyone would hate such beauty. Then he would kiss her and make her feel special. She thought their love would last forever. I'll stop there. That's the end of chapter one. Well, how is it? Do you like it so far? I'm hoping that you will purchase the book from Amazon. And you'll have two other stories along with it, as I said before. I appreciate every one of you that tune in. And I, I love bringing these things to you, bringing these stories and my thoughts and so on. And that will continue. Until next time, thanks for listening.